Well, friends, we continue on in our series in Mark, and I hope you've been enjoying it so far. I know I've loved getting stuck into this gospel and being reminded again about who Jesus is and how great he is. Uh, before we start, I just want to um, give a minor correction to a sermon uh, that I gave two weeks ago. Willis gave the sermon last week from Mark chapter 2 and 3 uh, about the Sabbath. And in that, uh, in that sermon, uh, Jesus actually healed someone on the Sabbath and the Pharisees were upset about that. Uh, I had a bit of a slip of the tongue and I said, Jesus broke the law. That's not what I meant. I meant that the Pharisees, in the Pharisees' eyes, Jesus broke the law. Because Jesus never broke the law. He's perfect. He's the fulfillment of the law. Uh, he's obedient son of God. And actually in the Old Testament, the Sabbath laws gave, um, gave permission to actually do good on the Sabbath. So what Jesus was actually doing was showing this is what the real Sabbath is about, doing good, loving. And the Pharisees had forgotten that. They had missed it because they were just too religious. So just wanted to make that minor correction there in case um, yeah, you got the wrong impression. Uh, my apologies for that. Jesus never broke the law. But in the Pharisees' eyes, in the eyes of religious people, he seemed to be doing the wrong thing. Yeah, so I just wanted to make that little correction there. Now, friends, uh, when Nathan came and spoke to us just before, uh, about what are you, your fears, what are you scared of? Um, well, uh, that's the question that I'm going to be asking. I wonder what you thought of when he asked that question, what are you scared of? What are you scared of? Now, um, I'll, I'm going to let you in on my fear, all right? I'm going to make myself a little bit vulnerable, well, a little bit because I'm not really scared of this thing anymore, but this is a fear that I held when I was growing up quite, quite badly, and this is my fear, cockroaches. I, I, I feared cockroaches immensely. Um, I'll tell you how much I feared them. One time when I was in school at Mansfield Primary School, year two, um, I was sitting next to my friend, Murray Ketchin. You might know him. Uh, he was sitting about one, one metre away from me. He wasn't even sitting right next to me, about one metre away from, from me. And back then, you know, the, the desks, they had these little things called tidy trays. You know tidy trays? They're little plastic trays that sit underneath the tables, and you pull them out and put all your books in there. So one day, my friend Murray actually put up his hand, and he said, Miss, excuse me, Miss, there's a cockroach in my tidy tray. And I literally fell off my chair. I, fell, I wasn't even, I didn't see it. Um, I wasn't even that close to him, probably one meter away from him, but I fell off my chair. Because I was just so scared. So scared of cockroaches. I don't know if you, some of you may fear cockroaches like me, but when I actually um, went online and had a look at some of the top fears that people had, um, here, here are some of the top fears that people had. Does this picture disgust you? There's a fear called trypophobia, which is a fear of holes. And this is one of the top fears that people have, the fear of holes. And it doesn't seem rational, but some people really fear this. But then, for others, snakes. Snakes, that's a fear. And the spiders, arachnophobia, that's a big fear. And the last, the last ones, the, the last two that we saw, they're, they're legitimate fears in one sense, because these things are scary. They can harm you. But how about Jesus Christ? Have you ever thought about Jesus Christ as someone to be scared of, someone to fear? I don't think we, we think about Jesus like this very much, especially when we see pictures of Jesus like this as the loving shepherd, which is true of Jesus. But today from this passage, we're going to see something that Jesus, in fact, is someone that we should fear. We should fear Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we don't have to fear him. That's what we're going to see today. And just to give you a bit of context about what's going on, 
Last week, as Willis brought us a sermon, uh, Jesus was, was explaining parables. He was explaining parables. Um, he was actually teaching on the shores of the, Le- um, the, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the crowds were so massive that he was actually sitting, uh, teaching from a boat. There were so many people coming to hear him. Jesus was talking about parables and he's saying, if you want to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, then come and listen in. Come and ask questions. Listen into the parables and you'll find out the secrets of the kingdom of God. That was his big message. And he's teaching the people on the shores of the sea. And this narrative picks up from on the same day at evening time. After a big day of teaching, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, let us go, let us go to the other side of the sea. So they head off. They head off, uh, they pack up the boat, they head off across to the other side. But it's not long before they hit trouble. Because it's not long before they're going along and a storm hits. A huge storm. And this is a terrifying storm. The winds are smashing the boat. The waves are pounding the boat and there's water coming into the top and there's water flooding the boat and the disciples are madly trying to keep the boat afloat. They're, they're, they're bucketing the water over the edge. But this storm is immense. And if you remember that, Jesus' disciples were made up um, of a lot of fishermen. These were people who were experienced. They knew the sea. But in this case, they also knew the danger that they were in. And they knew that if nothing changed, they were going to die this day. They were going to die. So they went to find Jesus who was asleep at the stern of the boat, the rear of the boat, because he's exhausted from a day of teaching. And he's asleep on a cushion there. And they go to Jesus and they shake him and they say, and they say Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care? We are, we are perishing. We are dying. Don't you care? And Jesus gets up. He turns to the wind and the waves and he speaks and he says this. He says, Peace, be still. And the waters were calm. The winds stopped. And all was still. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he speaks to them. He says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples, they, they turn to each other and they're speaking to each other and they're, they're wondering to themselves and they're saying to each other, who is this man? Who is this man that he can command the wind and the waves and they obey him? They obey him. And friends, that's the question we bring to this narrative. Who is this man? Who is this man that he can speak to the winds? He can command the waves and they listen. They obey him. I don't know, have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried stepping out into the rain and turning to the, to the sky and saying, stop? You know, next, next time it's raining, maybe today you can go outside and try that and you can see what happens. But I'll save you the trouble. I'll let you know what will happen if you do that. Nothing. Nothing. Because humans, normal people, do not have authority over nature. They do not have power over nature. What Jesus does here in this episode is not normal. It's not normal. And that's exactly the point. This is not something that any normal human being, any man can do. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, let me tell you. 
He is God. He is God. Because there is only one that can speak to the elements, one that can speak to nature, and nature obeys and fears Him. All throughout the Old Testament, there's language of God speaking and nature obeying. God spoke creation into existence with His very words. So, of course, as He speaks, the wind and the waves, they obey. And as we see Jesus speaking to the wind and the waves and the obedience of nature to Him, we are pointed to the fact that this is not any normal man. This is God in the flesh. God in the flesh, the divine man, Jesus Christ. Now, friends, I wonder if you were there, if you saw this happening, all right? And I, I think sometimes we hear this story, um, especially those of us who have grown up in church. You've heard this story multiple times in Sunday school, a great story, but think about what is actually happening here. Think about what is happening. There is someone speaking to nature, and nature obeys. Think about that. Sometimes we lose our sense of awe and amazement at these things because we've heard them so many times. But imagine being there and someone speaks to the wind and the waves and nature is obedient. How would you respond? Well, I'll tell you how the disciples responded. Do you, you remember the narrative reading that we had before? That they were terrified. They were terrified. They were thinking to themselves, who is this man? They were absolutely petrified of Jesus Christ. And all throughout the uh, Gospel of Mark, we see responses to Jesus. We see people responding to Him. Some are positive, some are negative. We're supposed to learn from these episodes. And here we're thinking to ourselves, they, they, these disciples, they're terrified of Jesus. Is this the right response to have? Well, keep that in mind as we continue on. Because we're going to see more and more people responding to Jesus. And they'll build our picture of who Jesus is. So what happens after this episode is the wind and the waves, they, they calm down and Jesus uh, and his disciples make it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And you think that, and I'm sure they're waiting for a bit of rest, they're absolutely exhausted, they've just been through a near-death experience and they just want to have a bit of rest, they just want to relax, they're stressed out. But as soon as Jesus, Jesus steps out of the boat and his foot touches the ground, a man runs down. All right? And this isn't just a friendly, welcoming usher at the door. This isn't Uncle Edwin or Hamid saying hello at the door. This is a man who's running down and he's screaming. And he's probably naked or just wearing rags. He's disheveled, he's unwashed, and his body is covered with cuts that are bleeding openly and scars from where he's been cutting himself with stones. Because this man is possessed by evil spirits. And this man also is exceedingly strong. This is a powerful man. The narrative says this uh, in Mark 5 verse 4, For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. This is a man that can tear iron apart with his bare hands. This is a man of strength, fearsome, fearsome power. But he comes before Jesus. And what does he do? He falls down on his knees before Jesus Christ. And he says to Jesus, What do you want with me, Son of the Most High God? Please do not torment me. And he's begging Jesus. Jesus asks him, 
what is your name? And the response is frightening. He says, I am legion, because we are many. Jesus here is facing up not with just a man with one evil spirit in him. He's facing a man with a legion of demons in him. Uh, an army of demons. This language of a Roman legion could vary from th in thousands of strength, of number. Uh, he's facing an army of demons. And this man, this army of demons, comes and falls down before Jesus. He begs Jesus, please don't send me out of this area, but send me into these pigs instead. And he has to get permission from Jesus before he actually goes there. And the evil spirits, the demons, they leave. They go into the pigs and they, the pigs run off the cliff into the sea. Do you see who's in charge here? As the pigs run off the cliff, the pig farmers, they run into the city and they say to everyone, you have to come and see what's happening. So everyone from the city, the towns, they come out. They come out and they come to see what's happening. And when they come to see Jesus, they see this man who was previously possessed by a legion of demons. And what do they see? They see him sitting fully clothed at peace in his right mind. And how do the people respond? They are terrified. They are terrified. And they speak to Jesus and they say to him, please leave. Please leave. And Jesus leaves. He goes back to the boat. He steps into the boat. The man who has just been cleansed of the demons comes to him and he says, let me go with you. Jesus, let me follow you. But Jesus says this to him. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And this is what the man does. He leaves, he goes and tells everyone what Jesus has done for him. And he goes not just to his home, he goes to a region called the Decapolis, which is a region of 10 cities. And they're 10 Gentile cities. These are not Jewish cities. And we see the good news starting to go out about who Jesus is and what he has done. And the people that hear this message are amazed. They are amazed. Now, friends, something that's really clear from this little episode that we should note, something clear from this episode is that we should be looking at who Jesus is. And something we should really take note of is the fact that Jesus has fearsome authority, fearsome authority. He takes on an army of demons and he defeats them with ease. It's a walk in the park. And in the previous episode, he commands the wind and the waves and they listen to him like that. Right? Jesus has authority. Nature fears him. The demons fear him. His authority is fearsome. And especially in this episode, as he comes, comes uh, in opposition to this demon-possessed man, right? This man is exceedingly strong. The narrative goes to um, great lengths to show us that, that this man is exceedingly, frighteningly strong, but Jesus defeats him with ease. And when you beat a strong opponent, it proves, it shows without a doubt your superior strength, doesn't it? Now, friends, I don't know um, who of us here has seen... Avengers Infinity War. 
Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. If you haven't, you might want to cover your ears. Bit of a spoiler, but not much of a spoiler because it happens in the first five minutes. So one of my favorite scenes in the movie is this battle between Thor and, uh, not Thor, sorry, the Hulk and Thanos. Thor would have been good too. Uh, the Hulk and Thanos. And just to give you a bit of context if you're not familiar with this series, um, Hulk is one of the heroes, he's one of the Avengers, and he is the strongest hero by far. He's virtually invulnerable. His strength is virtually limitless. As, as long as he gets angry, he just gets stronger. No one, and in every single movie leading up to this point so far, no one has come close to even hurting him. Yet, at the start of this movie, when Thanos, the villain, takes him on, in the space of 30 seconds, he beats the Hulk down to the ground and utterly crushes him. And I don't know how you felt when you saw that scene. I don't know um, if you get emotional when you see the Avengers, but I don't know how you felt about that scene. But when I, when I saw that scene, I, I was a bit scared. I was, I was thinking, oh man, this guy is strong. He beat the Hulk like it was nothing. And the Hulk is the strongest. It was a scene that showed the immense power of the one who beats the strong hero. And here in this narrative, we see the demons. They are of incredible strength. There is no one stronger that these people know of. Yet Jesus comes and defeats that strong man like it was nothing. And his defeat of this man shows, without a doubt, his superior strength. Superior strength. Frightening strength, isn't it? We see Jesus with frightening authority. And when we see the disciples actually respond to him and say, and his own disciples actually saying to themselves, this man is terrifying, who is this? Then you can sort of understand as they face this power. Because power is fearsome. Power is fearsome, isn't it? Because when you face power, when you're facing power, you know what this person can do. You know what they're, there, what they're capable of. Power is fearsome. Do you know the reason people fear Kim Jong-un? You know? Because he has power. As much as we hate to admit it, he has power. He has weapons that can decimate countries, that can destroy thousands, even millions of people. So we treat him with care. We, we, we fear him, in a sense. We wouldn't fear him if he was just some Korean, North Korean farmer in the countryside with no power at all. But he has power. And in your office place or in your workplace, who do you fear? Do you fear your boss or do you fear the intern that's just come into the workplace? Yeah. You, fear, you fear your boss in a sense, right? In a, in a rightful sense because this is a person who has the ability, the power to do something. He, he, they control your fate in a sense. Whereas the intern has no power at all. There's nothing to fear there. Power, power is fearsome. When you're faced with power, you, you should, in one sense, rightly fear because you, you, that person has capability to do something to you. So we should be wise when faced with power. There's, a, there's wisdom in fearing when faced with power. You should treat Kim Jong-un with a sense of care. You shouldn't insult him to his face and think there will be no consequences. You should, you should treat your boss with respect. You shouldn't think that you can say whatever you want to your boss without consequences. There's wisdom in fearing rightly. 
It's foolish to not think that. And here, with Jesus Christ, as you're faced with the power and authority of Jesus Christ, there's a rightfulness to fear. There is a rightful fear to be had of Jesus Christ. And this is especially the case when you stand against Him. Right? You have something to fear. If you stand on the opposite side of Jesus, there is something to fear. Let me remind you of uh, Psalm 2. Psalm 2, which is a psalm that God says is about Jesus Christ at His baptism. And Psalm 2 says this, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate His rule with trembling. Kiss His Son, or He will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction. For His wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Do we see this picture of who Jesus Christ is? The Son, the King, the one with absolute power and authority. Here in verse 9, it says, You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Those who stand against Jesus on that final judgment day, that is their fate. There is no hope. There is no authority. There is no power greater than Jesus Christ. There is no hope standing against Him. He's the conquering King. That's the authority that's been given to Him by God the Father. And His anger is fearsome. You cannot stand. No one can hope to stand against Jesus Christ. There's never been power like this seen. So friends, I don't care how much you can deadlift. I don't care how fat your bank account is. I don't care about how many friends you have in high places or your place in society, how respected you are. Because when you're facing Jesus Christ, that power that you have is nothing. It's laughable before the one with all authority and all power in the entire universe. Do you see Christ and who He is? The one with absolute power? The one with absolute authority? I started today talking about our fears. Well, friends, let me tell you, this should be our fear. If we stand on the wrong side of Jesus, this should be our fear, a genuine fear, because we cannot hope to stand. This is what we should fear. Now, there's many of us here, I'm sure, that are thinking to themselves that um, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a believer. I'm not following Jesus per se, but I'm not against him. You know, I'm not fighting against him or anything. What, what, What's Jesus going to No, I'll be okay on that day. But let me tell you something. That's not how Jesus sees things. He doesn't see things like that. In Matthew 12, 30, he states, Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever is not with me is against me. So let me tell you something. There is no sitting on the fence with Jesus Christ. You can't have it both ways, right? You can't be on his good side when you feel like it, and you can't be on his bad side on some other days. Right? You, there's a choice. It's one or the other. That's the picture the Scriptures presents us with. Right? There's no sitting on the fence. 
It's like imagine if you were in a basketball game, there's a few basketball players here, and you're a basketball player, um, and there's a home and away side, you, you have to pick a side to play for, right? You either play for the home side or you play for the away side. And you can't sort of just hang around in the middle and just grab rebounds when you feel like it and just shoot when you feel like it and think that you're doing well. You've got to pick a side to play for. But when it comes to basketball, there's another choice, isn't there? You just don't play. You just sit out. So in one sense, you don't have to pick a side. You can, you can be neutral. But friends, in life, that isn't an option. Right? You can't sit this one out. You can't not play. You can't not participate. This is life we're talking about. Right? You choose one side or you choose the other side. Right? And let me tell you something. This isn't a game. It's not a game. The stakes are high. The stakes are high. This picture of Jesus we have has to show us something about who He is and has to bring about in us a response to either be with Him or be against him. What's your choice? Let me remind you, to stand against Jesus, it's a foolish choice because you can't win. You can't. And I, friends, I don't say this to try to be self-righteous and judgmental, to bring condemnation on you. I say this because this is something we need to know. This is the reality that I believe is around us. You might not believe this, but this is the reality that the Scriptures presents us with. And I, in one sense, I want you to be afraid because I'm afraid for you. And I want you to know that this is not the only option as well. While Jesus is someone that we should fear, right? We should rightly fear. Friends, we don't have to. We don't have to. Because let me tell you, there's a solution to fear, and that's faith. It's faith. At the start of the narrative, when Jesus and his disciples were in the boat, and they were saying to Jesus, and they were terrified they were going to die, and they say, Teacher, wake up, don't you care? You know, we're terrified here, we're going to die. You know what Jesus' response was, remember? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Here's the question. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you trust in me, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. If I am on your side, then no one can stand against you. Right? There's nothing to fear at all. I said before that fear is a right response to power. All right? It's an appropriate response to power, but it's only appropriate if you're standing on the wrong side of the powerful person. Fear doesn't have to be the response to power. Because you're, if you're on the right side of someone with power, it's not a fearsome thing. It's an amazing, amazing comfort. Because you know this person can protect you. This person can keep you safe. This person has the power, authority, and ability to keep you safe from harm. And that's what comes when you stand with Jesus and not against Him. And friends, here's the bottom line. Faith in Christ means no fear in Christ. Let me say that again. Faith in Christ means no fear in Christ. And that plays out in two ways. Firstly, we don't have to fear Christ Himself. 
if we're with Him, we don't have to fear Him on that final judgment day where He says He'll come back and bring judgment to this earth. We don't have to fear that judgment. It's quite the contrary because we actually have a great assurance on that final day that we will be safe because Jesus fights for us. The King with all power and authority fights for us on that final day, right? There's not many things that we can be sure of in this life, but let me tell you, this is one thing we can be sure of, that if you stand with Jesus on that final day, you will have nothing to fear. Jesus says that no one can pluck his sheep from his hand. No one can take them away. And after what we've seen today, I I hope you'll see that that's true. Because who can harm the ones that belong to the the one with ultimate power and ultimate authority over all things? No one can stand against him. And we stand with him. Which means that we are safe if we trust in him. If we trust in him. Power is only fearsome if you stand on the wrong side of it. If you stand with power. It's a source of amazing comfort, a source of amazing strength for yourself. And not only do we not have to fear Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear anything else in this world either, do we? Romans 8.31 says this, If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? You you know what the context is here. It's, um, It's suffering, it's persecution, it's death, itself. That's what Romans 8 is talking about. And this passage is saying that even in the face of death itself, you do not have to fear. Excuse me. You do not have to fear. The biggest fears that we have, Jesus can handle them. We asked before, I asked you before about your fears and, you know, we had a bit of fun with those phobias. You know, some of them don't make much sense, but there's some For all of us, there's deep fears in our hearts that we hold. It might be a fear of death, a fear of getting older, a fear of being useless, a fear of being alone for the rest of our lives, a fear fear of being rejected, not wanted, not of worth, not valued. It could be a fear of being hurt physically, emotionally, mentally. Friends, there are deep, deep fears in all of us. If you look deep enough, there's deep fears, and these are real, and these are significant fears. But let me tell you something, Jesus can handle them. He's bigger than any big fear that you have. Jesus can handle it. Because He's the one with all power and all authority. And I'm not saying that you'll never be scared of anything in your life again. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying that fear doesn't have to entrap you. Fear doesn't have to paralyze you. Fear doesn't have to be your master because Jesus is your master. He set you free. And He gives us a hope that is bigger than any fear in this world. And that's the hope that on the final day when He returns, He will take us with Him into the heavenly kingdom to be with Him. And this is a hope that isn't a vain hope, but a hope that is assured, that is assured. Because He is the one with all power. He is the one with all authority. 
So friends, is today the day that you make a choice? Where you, you make a choice to turn from fear and to turn in faith. When you make a choice to come to Jesus Christ not as an enemy but as a friend. When you make a choice to come to Jesus with Him not as your opponent but as your champion. Friends, when Jesus fights for you, no one can defeat you. Because He will bring you home on that final day safe and sound with Him into the kingdom of God for eternity. We will face difficulties in this world, but we have a hope that gives us assurance that surpasses any fear, any fear in this world. Friends, will you keep standing against Jesus and His fearsome power? Or will you turn to Jesus and His fearsome power and take comfort in that? Faith in Christ means no fear in Christ. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for all that you've done. And we thank you for your King, Jesus Christ, with ultimate power and ultimate authority, who comes and dies for us, who wins us to him, and who promises that all who trust in him will be safe on that final day, that we have nothing to fear no matter what this world can throw at us. And we pray this is something that we just don't just know in our heads, but we feel deeply in our souls that Jesus is for us. And may that truth drive us forward to overcome any fears we have. Looking forward to that glorious final day where we can stand with Him in comfort for eternity. And we pray these things for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, friends.